0: First of all, would like to thank uh, the prophet Moffat for traveling 11,000 miles halfway across the world to be with us this morning. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and your family. May the Lord give you shalom all the days of your life and protect you from that foolish devil. You know, the devil is silly. People take him too seriously. But he is silly. And he tries his best to create obstacles for joy and peace. Uh, But we know that uh, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Lord is greater than the devil would ever try to be. Try that again. That clapping didn't sound very convincing. Let's try that again. Unless unless your hands are broken. Unless your hands are broken. Seriously. But thank you, uh, Pastor, for being here with us. It's my great joy to uh, also bring the Word of God this morning. And um, I'd also like to recognize uh, long-standing members of the church, uh, formerly the greatest HBO uh, surgeon, boxer, who uh, worked on the greatest boxers in the world of uh, the past epoch, um, Dr. Perlman Hicks. Give him a hand of applause, Was here today with his family. I'd like to say welcome to uh, the Hicks. Uh, Maria Elena Hicks is a wonderful wife, uh, a wonderful woman, and uh, I believe Carolina's here. Carolina, the daughter, and Stephen, is that you out there? There's Stephen. God bless all of you, uh, particularly since they lost their eldest son recently, very recently, and... Uh, has brought uh, pain to their lives. But on behalf of Mission Ebenezer Family Church, we'd like to extend our deepest sympathies and condolences to um, this great family. Um, he was a part of the original foundation of the Rock Ministry Next Door, um, where our Brother Elvis and, and, and Ollie do a fine work. I want you to know that he was part of the original grand opening of the Rock Ministry. So we're, we're really glad to have the Hicks with us. Lord be with you and encourage you in the days ahead. Give you joy. Yeah. Give you joy. Amen. I yeah. uh, also like to uh, recognize uh, Primo and Jackie for the tremendous job that they're doing as the caretakers of this mission-minded church. Uh, caretakers of the vision of planting a harvest. Um, They've done a fabulous work, particularly bringing to our consciousness the importance of being a mission minded church, a church with a heart for missions around the world. And so uh, if they're here, even if they're not here, let's give them a round of applause for bringing us through this missions month. And so the theme uh, for today is sowing seed sowing seed. That's a word that the Apostle Paul coins in Corinthians where he encourages the Corinthian churches and the Macedonian churches as he uh, travels around those great churches in the first century to raise up a mighty missionary offering. The first mighty missionary offering in the history of missions was raised by the Apostle Paul so that the gospel could be preached. Listen to this, not just around Asia Minor, not just around Illyricum, but also in Gallia, also in Spain, also in Great Britain, that the Apostle Paul says at the end of Romans, uh, pray that this uh, missionary uh, offering will be raised so that I can travel to Jerusalem, then Rome, and then Spain. So you see his vision was around the world. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to the disciples, to all nations, Jerusalem first, then Judea, then Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's Jesus' vision. Whose vision is it? Jesus' vision, our Lord and Savior, the Son of God, the everlasting King, Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified on the cross in three days to forgive your sins in mind if we repent. And then on the third day, he was raised by God's mighty power from the dead, Invictus, and he walked on this earth for 40 days, appearing to over 500 people as the risen Lord. Buddha's bones are still in his grave. Muhammad's bones are bleaching in the desert somewhere close to the World Cup. Lao Tse's bones are still in his, Confucius' bones are still in his grave. But Jesus' bones are nowhere to be found because he was raised in Victus in three days from the dead. And he said, go and take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. And so for 2,000 years since the Great Commission that Jesus gave us, we've been doing just that. And the Lord has been saving people around the world. But missions doesn't start around the world. First of all, it starts in your world. It starts in your family. What's the use of being a pastor or a missionary if you can't save your own children for the glory of Jesus Christ? It starts at home. If you're trying to reach your babies for Jesus Christ, if you're wrestling with a rebellious teenager, just keep preaching the gospel. Keep telling them to love Jesus. Keep being right there for them. Encourage them wherever they go. Remind them that their drawers don't belong to them. Their dresser drawers belong to you. Remind them that if they like to close the door and slam it on you, you can take the door off with a screwdriver because they belong to Jesus. Is everybody listening to me? And so we're, we're, we're here to sow seeds in mission. We're here to sow. Pastor Josh said, don't be afraid. To shake Pastor Moffat's hands with a uh, Pentecostal handshake, that means that when uh, when 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 you when you finish shaking his hands, there's not going to be any noise in his hand, noise of coins. There'll be the shuffle of paper, and that'll go in his pocket, because uh, they have trouble taking those checks to India, as Pastor Josh said. It reminds me of the time that Pastor Josh, myself, and Pastor Kevin. Went to Alabama, Mississippi after uh, after Katrina, and this mighty church, this U Church, U one of the most giving churches in this entire area. U Church raised twenty seven thousand dollars in cash money because there was no banks open in Biloxi, Mississippi, a week after Katrina. Well, all three of us, I could I could walk better than we all got on the plane with Levi's and Adidas and T-shirts and guayaberas. And, and Pastor Josh carried a, a Nike bag with 27000 cash dollars in it to pass out to the poor and hungry mamas and grandmas and grandpas that were sitting out in the front of their homes after that hurricane hit with all their possessions lining the street, passing out $100 bills and praying for them as we handed them the $100 bills because you could buy stuff with cash. You are a missions-minded church. This is, and, and, and I want to thank you on behalf of the, uh, Pastor Josh. I'll take this uh, into my own uh, purview and say, thank you, church, for being a, a, a church that's mission minded. Thank you for not being selfish. Thank you for not being covetous. Thank you for not hanging on to everything that God gives you. Thank you for recognizing that when Jesus said, go into all the world, you are sending people to the world where you and I could never go. You should clap right there. Uh, When God calls uh, people, whether it's to local missions in the broadways and avenues of the greater Los Angeles metropolitan uh, area, to feed the homeless with sandwiches, to bless them with the prayer, to go to the hospitals. To preach to the drug addicts who have no hope. They think they think because nobody really showed them the way to Jesus. That we are called to take Jesus to them in as much as we can. Or whether you're called to the Ukraine where bombs and missiles and tanks and cannons are blowing one another up across the Dnieper River. Where people are suffering right now in the deepest of winter with no heat and no electricity because their power stations have blown up, have been blown up. But there's pastors in the cellars and in the basements of blown out, high-rise apartments right now, this very day, this Sunday that are praising God there's Christians in those basements thanking Jesus having church praising God saying hallelujah that in the midst of all of that there's those of us that are sending missionaries to Ukraine pastors to Ukraine to Russia we've got missionaries in Russia we have missionaries all over the world We have a missionary coming up here right now. Delivering the message. Do you see, church, uh, America is a very selfish country. A very corrupt country. A very perverse society. We're one of the worst immoral countries in this entire world. Let's not even try breaking our hands on our backs to congratulate ourselves for how good we are. America is probably one of the greediest countries that ever lived. There's a TV channel called American Greed, and they're proud of it. We're a people that doesn't know how to be, uh, uh, we, we'll be generous, but we give out of, out of uh, let's say you're generous, right? You're, you're a multi-billion dollar uh, 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 business and you give $300,000 to philanthropy out of $10 billion and you want everybody to clap their hands for you. You know what I mean? We're making $25,000, $30,000, $50,000 60,000, and we give God. We come to church on Sunday and nickel and dime God to death. Nickel and dime God to death. You gave $10 on Sunday morning, you think you're going to change mankind with your $10. Now, I don't, I don't, don't keep them. We'll take it. But God knows your heart. He knows you could have given a thousand. Is everybody listening to me? Don't look at me like that. You know exactly who you are. We've been being blessed beyond measure. You turn around I always, say you turn around and look at look at my baby grand, look at my babies, my ten grandchildren. How much is Kai Kai worth? Would you sell Kai Kai for a billion? Would you sell Lola for a hundred billion? No. What does that mean? That means you are rich in Christ. You have in your family something that God has given you that's worth infinitely more than whenever you could make on stocks and exchange and interest and your old sorry salary. And you come, you come to God's church on Sunday and you give God $5 and you think like you're uh, Elon Musk. You know what church? You ought to be embarrassed those of you that don't give what you need to give. You ought to be ashamed. A dash ashamed of yourself. Because God is so good. He's been so good to us. His blessings are immeasurable. His mercy is infinite. His forgiveness is eternal. Look at what God has done. When you were at your weakest, God gave you strength. When you felt like you couldn't go on anymore in life, God held your hand. When you almost gave up on yourself, God stood in and said, Get up, get up, I'm with you. How can we be so blessed and be so stingy? It's all I'm saying. Are you listening to what Pastor's saying? And so that's why I'm saying, What kind of seed are you going to sow? To whom much is given, much is required. The more God has done for you, the more we ought to love him. Look at this man in Old Testament Israel, 734 years before Jesus was born. His name was Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And before God called him to missions, before God called him to be a messenger to a people named Israel who were sacrificing their children to God's Moloch and Rephan, who took on the habits of the immoral Canaanites and their temples were filled with homosexual prophets. Their temples was filled with vestal prostitutes. I'll just tell it like it is. Let the chips fall where they may. Who violated every every law of God's holiness. Who hurt the poor. Oppressed the widows and took their property from them. Charged 50% interest on the dollar from those that couldn't afford it. Princes that should have been taking care of government. That should have been taking care of the people of God. And abusing people in the street. Anybody listening to me? If you don't like what I'm saying, well, that's good. (laughs) That's good. You came on the wrong Sunday. This man, who was not a missionary, was not a prophet, was not a preacher, named Isaiah, who God called during the reign of King Uzziah of Israel, And King Uzziah of Israel, he started out really good as a king who walked in the ways of God like his father Azariah, the kings of Judah. Who did God's work and obeyed God in every way until he became strong, wealthy, rich. You see, he started out being the king when he was only 16 years old. He was called to lead the people of God as the king of Judah. But when he got wealthy, powerful, and strong, when he had hegemony over all the nations around Israel, this autocrat, this king, lost sight of God and began to arrogate to himself powers and glory that did not belong to him but belonged to Almighty God. Thought himself so powerful enough that he hadn't, he didn't have to ask God for help. He, had, he didn't have to trust God. You see, because most of the time when we come to God, it's because we're weak. We come to God when when we need help. We come to God when we have no strength. We came to come to God when we're in the hospital and they're declaring that we're dead. We come to God when everybody else turned on us. We come to God when we don't have what we need that's when we come to god but once we have everything we need we stand up on our hind legs yeah. and act like we did it all ourselves and we have a tendency to ignore god when we got everything we need yeah. call me a liar we forget about god yeah. we don't talk about god in our family there's there's no bible verses on the walls of our house there's no pictures from the bible in our home. There's no talk of God in our home. Are you paying attention? No, oh, did we talk about God when we needed Him? Then we wonder why our children are lost. And we're self sufficient. We have everything we need. Woe unto us when we turn from God. And that's when calamity strikes, as God takes great pleasure in bringing down the proud and lifting up the humble. He loves it. He loves to see someone arrogant because then he can be himself and slap him down. That's his job. Slap down the arrogant, lift up the humble. Let's stay humble and sow seed. I'm a gardener. All my family knows I'm a gardener. I have one, 2 let's see, two vegetable gardens and uh, Mexican medicinal herb gardens, not witchcraft. <laughs> it's a little ruda and uh, little, lots of yerba buena. And banana trees, thank you, Albert helps me but listen this is a, this is a secret when 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 we planted this last year no offense but I have to admit it was a horrible harvest I mean we we, we grew popcorn and we wanted to go regular corn and, and it was all hard and just misshapen out of shape but when we actually when you plant a, a seed of a grain of corn in the sand what do you get You get a whole ear of corn, a whole stock. Have you ever counted the grains of corn on an ear of corn when the ear grows big and healthy, yellow corn? There's over 100 in it. And who gives the increase of that little plant? The Lord does. All I'm saying is you plant a little into missions, into God's kingdom. And God will return it to you a hundredfold. That's what Jesus said. And he's not lying. And you have to trust him. And you you can do it by faith. You go, oh honey, um, God put on my heart to give $100 to missions. That's too much. Christmas is coming up. And we have to up our budget for all the kids because they're greedy. I'm just kidding. But look at. Don't let Christmas get in the way of eternal life. Plant a seed of faith. And faith means when it hurts. Did you listen to me? Faith means when it hurts. Faith doesn't mean giving from your overflow. Faith means giving from what you don't want to give because you know it's going to be a pinch on your wallet. When you give that way. God returns it to you. One hundred fold. Don't be, don't be afraid. Test God in this he said. And see if I don't open up the windows of heaven. And pour out upon you a blessing. That you cannot contain. Yeah. Isaiah. Isaiah. verses 1 through 8 Isaiah heard the call to missions and this is the call of every pastor that he hears from God every believer every Christian that came to know Jesus you're going to see yourself in the story of Isaiah every young man that has made a decision to follow Christ you're going to see yourself in Isaiah Every parent has decided that you're going to raise up your family in God's ways. You will see yourself in Isaiah. Every missionary that's been called either to local missions, to work in a high school, to start a Bible study in your high school, to pray with your team, to preach the gospel on Broadway, to walk up and down the streets of Figueroa and hammed out Baskets of food with a Bible tract of the ladies walking up and down at night. Or on Pacific Coast Highway in Long Beach at night. Every one of you that's been called to do something special for God. Every businessman that has chosen not to rip people off. But to treat them according to their income. You will see yourself in this story. I don't even know if I can read it. In the year that King Uzziah died. I saw also the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above the throne stood the seraphim, these angels, each one had six wings. With two wings, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he did fly. And there was one who cried to the other. And they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Hallelujah. The whole earth is full of his glory. The post of the door shook at the voice of him who cried, and the whole house of God was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, Then he flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth. And he said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your sins have been taken away. And thy sin has been purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me, Lord. And we see here one of the greatest, mightiest passages in all of Scripture. One of the greatest and most dramatic scenes in the entire Word of God. A passage that Jesus leaned on Time and again, we hear the echo of Paul's words in this passage. We hear the words of every missionary that God has ever called around the world or every person that God has ever moved to do something special for Jesus in the city. We hear these words reverberating in their hearts. In the year of King Uzziah when he died, Uzziah means God is strong. Isaiah says that he saw the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you have seen the Lord? How many of you have heard the Lord? When you were going the wrong way, you heard the Lord say, Not this way, but that way. How many of you have heard the voice of Jesus say, Follow me? Many mind would follow me. Let him deny himself and take up your cross every day and come and follow me. And I will make you fishers of men and women, saith the Lord. Didn't say I will make you rich. Didn't say I will make you wealthy. Didn't say I will make you popular. Didn't say I will make you uh, relevant. What did it say? Is I will make you fishers of men, if you follow me. If you follow me. If you follow me, I will make you fishers of men, if you follow me. And that is the greatest thing a man or a woman can never do is to make of their family, fishers of men to come to know and listen to the voice of Jesus Christ and help it change a dying world. Dying spiritually. Dying morally. Dying mentally. We live in a depressed world. And who can bring us out of that depression? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of you have been so low that you didn't know where to go? But you looked up and you said, woe is me. And Jesus reached down and picked you up, turned you around, cleaned you up, and gave you a reason for living. I'll be the first to say yes, Lord. Hallelujah! And so he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. That even though Uzziah, this young king at the age of sixteen, who grew powerful and strong, after whom the Israeli military calls their Uzi gun, Uzziah, lifted high up above the throne. That is, Uzziah might have lost his throne. The worst thing he did was he thought he was so powerful he could go into the house of God and he began to lead worship and preach and he wasn't called to lead worship or to preach. And so he took it upon himself like Saul in the book of Kings where Saul, this wicked king, took upon himself the power of sending sacrifice and offering worship to God which was the role of the priest. Second Chronicles tells us a story of Uzziah, who was so glutted with his power and impressed by his victories that he thought he had the right to usurp the word of God, and went into the temple and began to burn incense in the temple, drunk and to light altar fires and to offer up sacrifices to God. And eighty of the priests, who are strong priests, who weren't afraid to call it what it was, surrounded the king and his military men and said, Get out! This is God's house. The angel said, Holy, holy, holy. This is the house of the holy, holy, holy God. In Hebrew, there is no gradation of adjectives or modifiers. So they can't say in Hebrew, holy, holy. Holier, is. They have to say holy, holy, holy for the emphatic aspect that the very nature and heart and character of God is to be a holy God, untouched by sin and pure. Are you paying attention to me, man? Everything that we're not, God is. He's high and lifted up in his holiness. Impeccable. Jesus never sinned once. You ever tried not to sin for a couple of days? I know we've tried to be good for a couple of days, but sin just comes natural. Right? Here we go like lower heads. Uh, 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 uh. Can't control ourselves, right? I don't care how holy you act. Acting holy don't mean holy. Being holy means holy, and God is a holy being, high and lifted up above all the trash and all the gutter snipe and all the mud and all the political mud swinging, all the political posturing, lying through people's teeth, lying through implant teeth. That's a big lie. You, you yell through implant teeth. I mean, you, you know, and your teeth don't go nowhere. Don't look at me like that. I have an implant. That's what I chew with. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Lord of hosts. Now, who who, who is holy? God is. Uzziah. And so because of that, He was confronted in the temple, and he was told no. And immediately, leprosy broke out on his forehead, it tells us in 2 Chronicles. He became a leper. Pay attention. He became a leper. He became a leper. And they had to put him in a special house, never to see his family again. And he died of leprosy because he was a hypocrite. And that's the year that the Lord called Isaiah to show him that even though the throne of Israel was physically physically open and empty, the throne of God, the sovereign king of the universe, the creator of all that is, God Almighty, creator of all worlds, he has not abdicated his throne God is still on the throne this universe still belongs to him this dirty mucky physically stained earth this place of corruption the United States of America and every country in the world it may be the dirtiest unclean spiritually place in the world with hypodermic heroin needles strewn in the alleys and the backways of Los Angeles With the smell of tobacco and disinfectant coming out of the horrible nightclubs in Los Angeles. Filling people's hair with the smell of cigarette and bad hairspray and stinky gel till four in the morning yes you say how could God inhabit the Bible says the whole earth is full of his glory that club is full of his glory those streets are full of his glory it may be a bad place on Los Angeles in this whole world but this world is still our father's world and he's still in control of it and he's still redeeming it through the precious blood of Jesus Christ our Lord the world belongs to God it does not belong to the devil If you're here and you're a sinner today and you're looking for redemption, you're looking for a way out. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody comes through the Father but by me. Salvation can be yours today. But if anything, if anything, before God can do anything with you, you have to say, woe is me. Before God can help you, you have to say, Lord, I can't help myself. Woe is me. I'm a dastardly sinner. I'm weak. I have no strength, God. You see, Isaiah had it the right way. He saw the glory of God, and he fell before the glory of God. And he said, I'm not worthy to be in the presence of the glory of God. Glory. That's the story of this 19, 20-year-old talking to you. The day God called me on LSD. I was a confused puppy. Any brilliant atheist more than me, any brilliant immoral more than me, any brilliant corrupt sinner more than me could have taken me in my teenage years and turned me to wicked ways. Turned me. But I'm glad when I was weak and confused and didn't know where to turn that right in the middle of that, my last acid trip, right in the middle of that whole thing when I was despairing and getting ready to take my life because I knew I didn't deserve to be in God's glory, which I was looking at. I can't say that I found Jesus. Cannot say that. I had no strength to look. But I can't say this. Jesus found me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've never been the same. As, I, ain't even been, I've been, I haven't been perfect, but I serve a perfect God. Never been the same. Somebody said, Zeke, you never came down. I said, I never went up. He reached down and picked me up. said, woe is me. What what, what does that all mean? It all comes down to this. The first step to draw close to God or the first step to listen to the call of God is to recognize our need for God. To recognize the woe is me. Say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. Is there anybody here that can say, Lord, I can't do it on my own? Anybody here that said, Lord, I have tried? Seriously. I've tried on my own, and I just haven't been able to pull it off.